Hey everyone, welcome to The Path of Me. I'm your host, Wendy Hutchinson. I have the lovely Kelly Marshall with us today. She's an incredible woman, a prosperity advisor for conscious service businesses, or actually she's a prosperity advisor for women with conscious service businesses and a certified money breakthrough business coach. Welcome Kelly and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so grateful you said yes. (laughs) So I know you live in the Northeast. You're up in Buffalo, right? Um, Have you, have you, did you grow up there? Tell me a little bit about your, your journey. Yeah. Well, born and raised. So the journey didn't go too far. (laughs) I went to um, college about 40 minutes away. So I did, you know, live there. So I moved a little bit, but close enough, I could go home to do laundry and have dinner if I wanted to. Um, So yeah, the journey didn't venture too far from here. Um, And I love it still. I'm one of those, you know, Buffalonians that's tried and true and loves four seasons. And I might hate the winter come February, but other than that, I'm I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know you are intuitive and I was wondering Mm -hmm. if that's something that you have always been aware of or if that kind of developed over time yeah I think that the intuitive piece was always there but I don't think I knew the term for it um, or even understood that that was impacting things I think I knew I had a good gut Um, the first job I had in my career was as an auditor at a bank and I did have like as an auditor like sometimes it's punches and it's, it's gut. And I think that was the first time I started to become aware of that. And then as I've um, gone through my career and, and we'll probably talk about some of this, but as I've um, I had another path, so I always had this accounting money business path and I had this other holistic healing Reiki um, intuitive movement nutrition type other path and I had them separate for a long time right um that other path allowed me to understand that and and put a a name to it and um understand the power of it or embrace the power of that and so I do bring it into my work now um and like I said it's probably always been there like my friends in college would ask dating advice or you know whatever it was there was always that intuitive piece that was there. And now it's certainly a part of my coaching. I just understand that I have, you know, sometimes get information that's not all just from my brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because you can kind of trace the thread back, but those weren't conversations that we were having back then. No. Mm-mm. Although I do remember as a little girl, my mom taking me to like a psychic fair here, or, you know, we, we would, really. Um, yeah, even like, I'm trying to think back, it had to be in the 90s. I don't think it was quite in the 80s, but there was a few of those things going on and we would go to them, but we weren't um, totally immersed or didn't understand it or it wasn't something, like you said, that you talk about too much. But I remember hearing those conversations as a kid, you know, somebody saying, oh, I think you have a gift for this or, you know, some of those conversations, but it was few and far between and only because we did those things, which were not mainstream then like they are now. Is your mom intuitive? I mean, does she She have some sort of spidey sense that she, she just calls spidey senses and doesn't really (laughs) have a full understanding of? Yeah. Well, she's intuitive. She's a Reiki master and she, um, she does reflexology. Yeah. But she, she kind of, that came through her career. It wasn't something she started out with. And um, I think she went to reflexology school in her sixties or he was in her fifties. Um, so it wasn't early on in her career, but what's even cooler than that was my grandfather. Um, I didn't know this until after he passed and there were two ways we found out, but he was into law of attraction and things like that. And (laughs) it was just so cool. When he, at his funeral, I remember my uncle telling a story about how my grandfather lived his life intentionally. And that one time my grandfather told my uncle, he makes sure he says something nice to somebody every day as like an energy thing. And then we found books in his room after he passed that related to law of attraction. And I just thought that was so cool because he was such a sweet guy. He, he lived a beautiful life. He died in like the picture perfect way basically fell asleep in a little chair next to a fishing creek on a day that was perfect how amazing that, is that? that cool and I really think it's about his energy and how intentional he was and I think that comes from 
a little bit of intuitiveness and openness, really being open to understanding the energy around us. And what for sure, for sure. Yeah. So those gifts, I think, were passed down, which is so beautiful. Yeah. And now I think we're able to have these conversations in such an open way, in ways we've never been able to before, Yeah, which is great. And I think also having that sense of how energy works. Mm-hmm is really helpful in life because it impacts how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to our business, mm-hmm. right? And also how it impacts all of our relationships with others. Okay. Having that awareness and consciousness mm-hmm. and intention, yep. like you said, that intention on how we're going to live our lives. Absolutely. So how long have you been in this finance or had this finance background? You were an auditor, you told me. Yeah. So you've been working with numbers for a long time. Was that something that you pursued since college or has that been something recent? That's another funny thing because I remember in seventh grade um, at the career fair, like career day or whatever, Mm -hmm. I remember deciding that I was going to be an accountant. I have no idea why seventh grade, seventh grade. Wow. And I do think part of it was, I thought the Malco was an accountant. So I'm sure that fed into it. And I was like, well, accountants make a lot of money. And I think I want to do that. So I think there was that part of it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of funny to see the journey I took with it. Um, but I think that fed into it. And then I went into high school. I took courses in accounting. I did well and I went into college and pursued it and really have always had some element of that I've tried to leave it a few times and it always um I always come back to it because I truly do love the work and I'm interested in it and I think it's a great tool but I think I kept trying to leave because it felt I it felt like it was against the other path and I talked about two paths yeah. and so I had all this holistic pieces and um healing and coaching and all of those other pieces mm-hmm. and I always wanted to go that way. And every time I tried to, I would see, find myself veering back to this path. <laughs> How did you reconcile really... the two? I mean, you've, you've mm-hmm. totally Im- married the two beautifully now. Yeah, you. How, did you, how did you navigate that and, oh, and integrate that? Because <laughs> there's two such different mm-hmm. paths. One is such a linear, um, everything's in its box. Everything makes sense. Everything has a right answer. That's one part, the accounting part. And then you have the intuitive part where it's created Mm -hmm. and you're open and you're getting information from who knows where, and you're following hunches and intuition and energy. And it's, it's all being dropped in from your higher selves and and your um, guides. And so how do you reconcile? It's like yin and yang, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, I want to share some kind of insight I've gotten on my purpose first and then talk about how I got there. But what I'm understanding with my purpose, um, and I don't know that we've ever talked about human design or how much you get into human design, but even just based on my human design chart, is I was meant to have this very grounded beginning of my life and learn this practical stuff like accounting. And that I was meant to take that knowledge and find a new and creative way to share it with people that needed that knowledge that wouldn't be able to learn it in the traditional way. And so that certainly made sense, but I didn't know that until after I created this business in this version. And it was a journey. I, I started out in 2004. I had my first bookkeeping business. I was still working at the bank, wanting to get out of the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to get out of the bank. And then I went back into corporate for a little bit because it was, there was a little fear there. <laughs> um, had the bookkeeping business very part-time um, all that time. So I still have a, my first client in 2004 is still my client. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I tried to leave that one too. And he's like, uh-uh. It's just, it's just been... <laughs> a wonderful relationship but yeah he's he's been the catalyst for a few different things in my career which has been really cool but yeah he's been there since 2004 I was in corporate for a long time a couple jobs went back to the bank again when I had my daughter because I needed a place um, I felt safe and that I felt like I could take time off and Mm -hmm. um, it was the right kind of place for that and then left the bank finally 
um, to what go year work. was that? What year did you actually leave the bank? Well, I'd left the bank and gone back to, an, there was a job in between. I was eight years in an investment advisory firm, but I couldn't take half a day off. I was, I was the person that did everything in the office. Wow. So I got out of there when I got pregnant, which was in 2011, okay. I had my daughter in 2012 and I left the bank in 2015. So I spent about three years there and then worked at a wellness center. And at the wellness center, I did coaching and I did accounting. So it was that place that was kind of like, well, I could do two of these things at once. I could have both my favorite things at that once. That aha moment where you're like, wait a minute, there yeah. is a way to marry these two. Yeah. It was kind of being fun to you. I didn't even realize at that time, like when I took that position, that wasn't a realization. I was like, mm -hmm. well, that makes sense. This will make it work. They needed me to be a coach, but they also needed these other pieces and having me did both worked for them and right. worked for me. And <laughs> there we went. But when I was creating the business and putting it together and realizing who I wanted to work with, which was conscious entrepreneurs, I knew I wanted to, if I was going to embrace that numbers and money and this practical stuff was my zone of genius, if you will, or zone of excellence or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that I was going to say that that's what the skill I was going to bring into it. Great. But I needed to be doing it for the people that were making a difference in the world. I needed to be doing it with people that understood energy because I was at that point, I'd been on my other path for a while. And I knew that I couldn't go do this service just for companies that only were there for the money, were only there for profit, were not going to have the kind of conversations I wanted to have. We're not going to I wasn't going to get to play in their businesses in creative ways that I can with who I serve now. You needed so, that alignment. You needed clients that were aligned yes. with your, yes, with your truth and your vision, right? Yes. I remember the first time. So I was starting to get out into the world, having conversations with people. I met on LinkedIn the first time I'm trying to build an online business in this way. And I do want to go back and share some reasons why I left the wellness center because it's very entrepreneurial and I want to get into Perfect. that. But I wanted, so I was having a conversation with a girl who had, she had a, owned a vegan blog and she was actually looking at recreating herself. She had struggled with money up until mm -hmm. then, which is why she was open to taking this market research call or whatever I was doing. And I remember her saying to, I was asking her questions about revenue and what she was going to do. And she was selling the blog and what was going to come next. And I remember her just being like, I'm kind of intuitively feeling into that right now. And I said, oh, I love that. And she laughed and she was like, I can't believe I can have this conversation with a numbers person who also <laughs> honors how I need to be in energy with my business. And that was like, it all clicked together in that moment. I was like, this is why I want to have these conversations. I want to support you with the numbers Have this kind of conversation. It's a light bulb moment, right? Yes, absolutely. So cool. <laughs> that, that was like, so yeah, that was the so very beginning. Cool. She was one of the first people. She did end up signing up and she was one of my first clients that I did coaching with. I and love it. I yeah. love it. Now let's cycle back to why you left the holistic yeah. center. So the, the wellness center was, it was cool in many ways. Like I, I loved the coaching I got to do. And of course, doing the bookkeeping, I got to run a lot of the business. So I've always loved small business and wearing a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of fun. I don't want to be a small piece in a big pie. I want to be a bigger piece in a small pie. If that makes yeah, sense. Sure. But I was also struggling with, you know, the talk about authenticity you mentioned earlier. And that's a big thing for me, alignment and authenticity. Mm -hmm. You said alignment, but alignment and authenticity are big to me. Mm -hmm. And when you're not boss or when you're not the owner and you have to um, run the business in the vision that they have and, and matching their values as the owner. And if that's not in alignment with who you are as an employee, especially a key employee, that can get challenging. And, and for a lot of us conscious people, we don't operate well when any part of us is out of alignment or it's so uncomfortable physically. It's physically yes. uncomfortable. And that's in that situation. Yeah. yeah. I was hand, having to handle clients in ways I didn't like mm -hmm. and coworkers in ways I didn't like, or mm -hmm. they were never my employees. It's always coworkers. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had a lot of responsibility without a lot of authority. And that got, that alone was my energy wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't suited for that. Mm -hmm. And there were a few moments, I won't get into all the stories, but there was one key moment I remember, and I'd already made my decision, but this was like, like the icing on the cake or just like the, 
the very final straw. The nail in the coffin. <laughs> the nail in the coffin. That's the right <laughs> expression. So it was Christmas time and um, she, the boss had come in and we were starting to have some of these issues or whatever. And, but she, she was explaining to me that she had filled out. Now it's already entrepreneurial. I was a girl that sold raspberries on the corner in the summer. I had garage sales, like every, all part of my life, there was some entrepreneurial piece. Mm-hmm. And she said she was working on her Christmas cards and she was writing out the one to me and my family. And I know she meant this with the best intentions of her heart. But she said to me that in that moment, she realized she was responsible for putting the food on my table. What? And it like cracked the entrepreneurial Are spirit. Are you kidding like, me? Or actually, it was like a kick in the pants for Are the you entrepreneurial kidding? spirit. And like, yeah, she said that to me. Yeah. And I do think she meant it in a way that was like, I love your family. I, you know, I do feel, I want to take care of you, but it didn't get received that way. Oh my gosh. So I was just like, by next Christmas, you will not be responsible for the food on my table. That's just not going to happen. And I kicked off my, I actually formed my LLC January of that next year and um, had moved to part-time in May. And I kind of transitioned out from there. You know, those catalyst moments, right? Mm -hmm. Because we feel our truth. We feel it knocking way before we actually take the yes. aligned action because yep. there's this human part of us that keeps rationalizing the thing that's not aligned. Like, yeah. well, I get flexible hours and I enjoy this part of it. And mm-hmm. you, we, when you, when you start having to convince yourself to go to work or convince <laughs> yourself to be in a relationship or convince yourself uh, to stick to this diet, it's not aligned for you, right? Yeah. The sooner we can Absolutely. cut and run, the better. But we just, boy, it takes a few laps around the track before we learn that lesson. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. So that was a big moment. And I realized like I had helped her grow a multi million dollar business and great. Good for her. We helped a lot right. of people along the way. Right. And there's some people that, would have been handled differently if it were up to me, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was time, it was time to move on. Those catalyst moments are are really key, and there are people mm-hmm. who, you know, if you're entrepreneurial, it's it's gonna it's well. There are other things. If I wasn't entrepreneurial, maybe I just would have gotten a new job, right? But as an entrepreneur, I knew that that was like I was done helping other people build that. You know, I want to do my own thing. And I do find I think back to some of my friends that are at the bank and miserable. And it's that that rationalization you were talking is what they're doing. And there's, there's fear around. I was just going to say, there's such Mm -hmm. a big fear program. Um, It's so pervasive in our society. Yes. And it's so subliminal the way it's woven into the fabric of our lives. You know, it's, it's hitting us through our culture and our family values and our family ancestral history and our, news media and mm-hmm. just so many subliminal ways every day we're just being coded mm-hmm. in fear and Absolutely. we don't even realize it right yeah and even entrepreneurs that don't you know that are kind of stuck or aren't hitting their goals or you know maybe have to go back and get a job a lot of times it's that fear programming that keeps them where they are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lack of faith you know you really yeah. have to trust that when you get these intu- intuitive knowings yeah you're being guided to your highest and best life path yeah and so every time we say no to that you know we're we're pulling ourselves back when we're instead of moving yeah. forward, pulling right? ourselves kind of, back, pushing it away, mm-hmm. saying we're and not open to receiving. Don't you think? Yeah, I was going to say. Don't you think a big mm-hmm. part of it is that worthiness piece? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the trust piece that you spoke to too. So, so this all circles back to money. I mean, you can you the same cycles repeat in different areas of our business or right. show up in different ways in our business and our life. Right. But that trust piece that you talked about is connected to worthiness. And I catch myself in my own patterns here and there, you know, if we don't trust ourselves with whatever. Um, but a lot of times in business, it'll come down to money or numbers or whatever that is, or um, that ability to like, whatever we believe we have about this bigger business and what that means for our life and what it has to be. Um, when we don't trust ourselves to, to do that. We don't, 
like I said, it's connected to your self-worth. You don't believe yourself worthy of that. And then you do block out those opportunities or say no to them, or you may not even be conscious of that. Most often you're not conscious of that. And so what feels like nobody in my list has money or nobody will say yes, or I just can't, I don't know how to get. You know, what's, interesting? To what's interesting is we manifest. We're constantly manifesting our truth. Yep. So if you, if that's your core belief, that's the vibration you're sending out. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are going to show up. Yep. And it perpetuates and confirms what you know to be true. Yep. But people don't realize that we are such good manifestors. If you can shift your energy and shift your relationship to your worthiness and deserving of abundance, mm -hmm. you're also, you're going to manifest that. Yep. But they keep reaffirming the, um, that lack, that's that story of lack because of their relationship with themselves and their lack of, uh, of worthiness. Mm -hmm. So it's like this, this hamster wheel that is so difficult to break, which is where you come in, right, Kelly? This is where you yeah. kind of coach them around that, I would yeah. think. And it's funny because that's where like, I, I've tried the business in different iterations. Like, is it just the bookkeeping? Am I teaching people how to do that themselves? Am I doing other coaching? And they really all need to be there. And it, and that bookkeeping, this thing that I've tried to run from multiple times, it's such a valuable tool because if you don't have that part taken care of, like a lot of people, you're not in your business because you love to do books. Like that's the thing <laughs> maybe that I love to do. You're not into it, but it's a necessary part of your business. And when that's not being handled, as your business grows, it can feel like, oh, that's a should, like I should be doing that. And I must not be a good business owner because I don't know how to do that part. And like that story can be a part of the worthiness. It, it, it is a part of the, um, the doubting yourself. And so if that little, even just getting that part taken care of can really lift the energy of the business because right, sure. you can pay attention to it. You can make, there's like practical stuff and making decisions off of it, knowing how to pay yourself, but even just the energy of knowing that's done sometimes before people have even had me touch their books, they've signed the contract. They're like, Oh my God, I feel so much better. Because I know that it's like that weight it. has been lifted because the weight's been lifted right. and they don't, it becomes like, Oh my gosh, I'm taking care of my business in this mm -hmm. way. And it's an investment and, in themselves, right? To hire yeah. you to take on that aspect. Mm -hmm. Also, I wanted to ask if you find that there are people who are really great at creating revenue, but because of that mm -hmm. worthiness story, just can't hold on to it. That money yes. is just oh, for sure. slipping through their fingers like water. You know, yeah. they, they're bringing it in. They've got the sales down. They've got the marketing. It, they have like all the pieces in place, but mm -hmm. they, if they haven't unpacked that, yeah. I would say wound of mm -hmm. worthiness and yep. healed it, they're constantly just, it's like there's this, um, a colander in their bank account and no, no matter how much they bring mm -hmm. in, it just organically goes out. Right. I don't yeah. know if you see that in your business. Or oh, anything. for sure. Yeah. And it, um, it is the worthiness, just a different place. So like, let's say mm -hmm. somebody can get to where they can manifest the income. It's just showing up because there's, there's nothing left for them or there's, um, and sometimes it's lack of awareness where it goes like that colander feels like mm -hmm. that. Um, but other times it's that and again, it's practical and energy. Like there's too big of a team built, you know, or there's too many expenses coming in and it's all going out. And so that's where the practical piece of understanding how those decisions affect it. Or are those conversations that you have with them as yes. their um, yeah. consultant, you know, and, and coach and mm -hmm. money manager, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. It depends on what, what we're doing together. Some people, it's just the bookkeeping mm -hmm. for some people, it's bookkeeping and coaching. Mm -hmm. And we have to, you really, no matter what, in some way it has to come up. Like I always do a video for my clients when at the end of the month, I do a video and I walk them through their balance sheet and their profit oh. and loss statements. 
because a lot of my people are not going to open up a report. There are some, I've got a group of people who are number, numbers oriented. We can't wait to get those and they're in there. But a lot of them, if I just sent them reports, wouldn't look at it, but they'll watch a two, three minute video I do. Right. And that's an opportunity. Even if I'm Next. not coaching them, I can mention and bring awareness. And honestly, a big thing is even just celebrating um, where they're at or noticing different trends. And sometimes it's celebrating or sometimes it's, it's warning a little bit about something I see, but um, a lot of times people aren't even aware of what is flowing in. They're not celebrating what's coming in already. So that's another piece I like to focus on is, you know, being grateful for what's coming in yeah, yeah, for those sure. and that makes a big difference. And, and month after month, things will go by and people aren't checking in on that. I think also going back to that programming I was talking about, people are so programmed to keep chasing and achieving mm -hmm. and hitting more markers and setting more goals to the point where they forget to be present and where they are in gratitude yeah. and build on that foundation. It's almost the energy of lack when you're constantly chasing something yeah. versus building so. on the foundation that you have, you know. I think that's where like, there's, there's so many programs out there that are used to be create your six figure business. And then it was seven figure business and eight figure business and whatever message you want to see out there. And I do think that people need to check in too and say, is this what I want to create? You know, exactly. you might create, I do feel like there is some magic in that six figure business because I think at that point you're supported to not have to do the things you don't want to do. You have money to set aside for taxes. You can properly fund a retirement account. Like there is a lot of nice things that happen there. But as somebody starts to cross over 250, 300, as they grow, they may or may not want to go bigger than that. And that's okay. Like checking in and why, why did you, and even the six figure thing, what did you create this business for? Was it the achievement of some arbitrary number or was it for most of us freedom? Was it to do the soul-based work? Um, while also getting to walk your talk and, and live that freedom lifestyle. You know, what were the reasons you did this? And really checking in on that so you're not just chasing this goal that's out there on Facebook or Instagram, that you're doing the thing that is in alignment with you and your purpose and what that's you're creating. Huge. That check-in mm -hmm. piece, I think, is so, so important that we don't forget. Yeah. The, what's your why? Yeah. What's driving you? Is it aligned? Because mm -hmm. just because we see it, and it's in our face all the time. Doesn't mean that needs to be the thing for you. Right. But people don't trust themselves. You know, I find that there's we're so bombarded on social media and in our in our everyday lives with the people around us, whether it's family, friends, the culture, mm -hmm. um, your faith, if you're if you're a religious person, and that relationship with money, right? Yeah. That we forget that we should really get intentional around who we are and why we're here. Yeah. What lane do we belong in? Mm -hmm. Because we get so caught up in comparing and we're so good at convincing ourselves that we're less than. Yeah. Well, we need to be doing more and we need to be like Joe Blow over there and we should be trying yeah. this marketing program and this training and this guy. Absolutely. And we forget like, you know, does that even matter? Right. <laughs> does that even matter? I know. Is that really my value? You know? Right. What was coming up for me as you were saying that is, and, and I believe in coaching. I know you, I believe you believe in coaching as well. I see the value in it. I've invested in a lot of coaching, but I think where it can become out of alignment again is when we're investing in that coaching to save us or to, um, it's coaching after coaching, after coaching, after coaching, always searching for the next answer versus like some trust that some of those answers are within you, maybe all of them, but. Hundred um, You know, that we need to, um, again, go back. I'll just go back to trust and intuition and that we can allow ourselves to, to do some guidance. Of course, investing in coaching can shortcut things. You can learn from other people's mistakes. There are some beautiful things that can happen in coaching, holding somebody to hold you accountable, somebody to be in your corner. There's so many powerful things, but when it becomes this pursuit constantly of the next thing, it might be time to slow down and mm -hmm. ask yourself, you know, look, look within a little bit or get some support in how to do that so that you exactly. start to get some of those guided exactly. answers. I really mm -hmm. feel like we're at this, this huge pivot point in our lives. Uh, humanity is at this huge pivot point 
where you may be finding that the things that used to work for you are no longer working. Mm. And the tendency is to continue to repeat the cycles, continue to repeat this, even if it doesn't work, people right. keep going back to the same tools, the same methods, the same books, the same courses. And we're in a space of evolution. Mm. We're in a quantum evolutionary space right now on the planet which requires us to get outside of our comfort zone and pivot. Yeah. We're not, we're here to evolve. We're not here to wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, and stay on right. that hamster wheel. Or and try one, to be a cookie cutter of somebody else. Yes. And then wonder why our life is not changing for the better. Why we're dissatisfied, mm. why we're unhappy, yeah. why we're feeling defeated. Yep. It, that self-exploration piece is so important right now. Mm-hmm. It's important to go to the coach, like Kelly said, right? To, to hopefully be reflected back to you the questions that you need to ask for self-exploration, mm-hmm. not to be given the answers, but to be yep. given the yeah. questions. Right there. That's the key. That's good coaching. Not, I'm going to teach you the strategy that worked for me because it's going to work to, for everybody else I teach. What are the questions that need to be asked so that you can allow them to find themselves or find the right answer within themselves with that question? And trust it. Yeah. And trust it. And then take action. Because none of it, you know, we always right. have to take action too. Yeah. <laughs> I do give my clients permission to sit with the information for a little while mm-hmm. because sometimes those revelations are really big about themselves and it's almost overwhelming and they need to sit and process that information for a while, but there does come a point where you have to choose you Mm -hmm. and take that jump and trust the parachute's going to open for you. You have to get to a space. You can't just stand at the edge of the diving board. Right. And hope things are going to work out. You have to. Yeah. And I think that's part of like, I go back to the entrepreneurial piece just because that's who I love to be with, you know, and we, you know, I mean, there are entrepreneurs that are still working a job. I get that, but just the risk to put themselves out there and start to offer something Mm -hmm. that you've created, like Mm -hmm. they have to take that jump at some point. And that's really exciting to me. I really am in love with that process and who we have to become to, to get to that next stage in our business and things. I really think that's, um, not only do I love that in others, but that's the thing I love about being a business owner is mm-hmm. as I evolve and grow and change, I get to also evolve and grow and change my business, but I also um, develop so much in myself personally and, and those challenges that you have to overcome mm-hmm. um, become the next thing you can help people with and, um, and they become your growth. I really think there's a lot of personal growth through professional development as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. um, that's unique to being an entrepreneur versus any other career. Do you, <laughs> you find know? your clientele is shifting and changing as you're growing and becoming yeah. more um, just aware and your consciousness is expanding? Do you find yourself attracting a different level of clientele, like people who are kind of meeting you where you are and really interested in doing mm-hmm. this kind of work? I do. I, I think, um, and every once in a while I'll get that referral that comes in as like pure bookkeeping. And then it's kind of like, Oh, that's not my person. That's not going to work. But most of my, I've been really lucky with who I work with that most of my people are in that ready to do the inner work space. Mm-hmm. But I do find that even just as my clients grow, then who they're networking with grows. And so I do have businesses at different levels that mm-hmm. I get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far I guess, so we bump into different, there's always the same issues are there though. Like, so regardless of what level their business is at, they're still bumping into some of the same things. It's just at a different level. So if you bumped into worthiness, things getting to, you know, 50,000, you're going to bump into worthiness, things getting to 75 and to a hundred. Um, so it's just different, different blocks that come up again. I don't know if any people probably don't want to hear that. But that's the truth. And so we're having it's similar questions and similar exercises and things. It's just at a new level. 
Well, so patterns it's kind of interesting. Do, it's like they're growing, but it's we're just bumping into different. Right. Parts. But I think patterns repeat until until you yeah. heal it, until you resolve and face it. Yeah. But even that can even it can change. Like so I'm I'm thinking of one client who's grown a lot in her time revenue wise and just she puts a lot into her development. And when we first started, it was like she was trying to find joy and fun and money because for her, she was a, um, what I call an accumulator. So somebody that liked to save her money. And um, there was, there wasn't a lot of joy around that, it was, mm -hmm. you know, um, there was scarcity, a lot of lack and scarcity at that time. And now it's at a different point. Like that doesn't come up anymore because she has learned how to, to do that. She finds a lot of fun and joy in it. So now it's bumping into, um, oh, and now I'm like blanking on what her last one was, but we uncovered another belief. Was told, I'm sorry, it's just blanked on me, but it was at a different level. A different was, limiting belief that kind of yeah. showed up. It, and sometimes I think the healing comes in layers. So she may have mm -hmm. worked with that one, that one abundance block, but then there's yeah. maybe a deeper layer of fear there that kind of, as yeah. we're unpacking and peeling back the layers, we're getting Absolutely. into the deeper, more core mm -hmm. level issues of the same, the same topic. Yes but on a deeper level. Now we're not just like kind of picking at the scab. Now we're like really mm, getting deep too. into the wound and it starts to come up in surprising ways. You know, you think, gosh, I thought I dealt with that, but apparently here it is again. So now <laughs> some more work yeah. to yeah. do around that, right? For sure. But I wanted to transition now our conversation into a topic that you were talk speaking to. So Kelly has a Money Monday um, <laughs> videos that she does on her Facebook page and what's your Facebook page? So if people want to follow it's prosperous and profitable conscious entrepreneurs, Pro prosperous, prosperous and, and profitable, profitable conscious, conscious entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. So Kelly does this money Monday and she always has a great clip and she was talking um, about how people undervalue their services and how you should feel okay or good about charging what you're worth so i was wondering mm -hmm. if you could speak to that because i think so many people who are spiritual in nature or are in service to humanity mm -hmm. sell themselves short all the time right there there are so many of us who struggle with undervaluing for one um pricing which is like the function of our business that triggers this more than anything, probably mm -hmm. um, is a piece that's just a challenge for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, there is no right answer. Like you were talking about accounting and the black and white, and there's a right answer. And I love that about it. Pricing is one of those creative areas. There's it's, it's um, an art more than a science. Right. And so it triggers so many things. Um, and the foundation of that is our beliefs about money. And so I believe that we have kind of, our own personal natures with money. And there are a lot of different varieties of that. And many of the different natures of money will have different reasons that they struggle with pricing. But the alchemist, which is what is that spiritual entrepreneur, they often have this love-hate piece. They know, like they have this inner knowing of what's possible for them. They are the people that create transformation for others. They champion others. They're inspired and they're creative. And they know what's possible for them when it comes to money, but they also don't, um, they've got this hate side, this belief, like my, my service and my heart that I'm doing shouldn't be attached to money. I do this because I love it. I love what I do. It's not about money. Mm -hmm. And so this, it's like this. That's uh, a big, big push-pull. That's a big push-pull push thing because it's your heart and then your head. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah, if they don't, take care of them. So there's a couple of reasons that it'll work against them, but probably the biggest thing is like if an alchemist, if a soulful person, um, if a spiritual person, whatever wording you want to use, if they don't take care of themselves, they can't continue to deliver at the level that they want to. Mm -hmm. If they're not charging well, they, they can't um, pour out the way that they want to. Like yes. say that they're not making enough money, they can't contribute the way they want to. They can't vote for dollars the way that they want to. They can't have the impact that they could have if they had the financial backing, it's just where we are right yeah. now, right? And so there's a belief around that, that I like to share um, that the, the more I do well in the world, the more I help others do well. 
And that comes from, I do want to cite, um, Kendall Summerhawk is a money coach. I've learned a lot of my stuff from, and she has a body of work called the sacred money archetypes. And that's where the alchemist comes from. And a lot of my work around this has been based on that. And it's just proven true time and time again, as I work with people. But when you think about what's driving that behavior, so there's that service of my heart. I, I want, it's just about purpose, not so much about the profit for that business right. owner. And yet when we do that, if we're undervaluing what we're doing, um, there's a couple of things from a client perspective, client may not, um, may not commit in the way that they would commit if they were paying what that service was really worth. So if you undervalue your services, they may undervalue their commitment to it. If you undercharge for your services and you start to deliver it and you're delivering it at that level that it should be at, but you've undercharged for it, eventually that energy exchange gets uneven. And you can even start to resent your client who you started out with the service of your heart. All you want to do is help them and support them and do this transformation for them. But if you've created this energy imbalance, now you, it's hard to show up, you know, or it's, however it's affecting you, it, it will affect you energetically, even if it doesn't affect the service you provide. And so when alchemists start to feel that, maybe you can think back to experiencing that, or um, you can start to really understand that, then they can start to shift their willingness to think about pricing. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing for an alchemist, not only is that part about the more they do well, the more they can help others do well, the more that they can um, that go vote with their dollars or um, you get to choose where your money goes at that point, right? It's a big part of it. But if they really can focus um, what they're offering, the, the um, focusing on the value of what they're offering and really understand that and then charging for that mm -hmm. um, and really stepping into that quality of what you're providing to them and really stepping into the value you're providing that client and what that means to them. And then getting that equal energy there with the pricing. Um, it's just going to serve you as a, as a service provider. It's going to serve your clients because they're going to be getting that level of service. They're going to be getting that outcome that you're promising them. That's the other one I wanted to call. I knew there was, there was something that wasn't coming to me, but there was one other piece I wanted to say with this. Let's say somebody's on a sales call. Let's say that you were on a sales call when you're talking to somebody and you understand they have this big issue and you know that you can help them. And so you tell them all the ways that your service could help them, all the different features or benefits that you have there and this big transformation is gonna happen for them. And then you say the price and it's half what they thought it was gonna be like, they're like, oh, this is the thing. This is, this is what's gonna change my life. And then you come in with a price that's under what they think the value of it is. They're going to start to think, oh, maybe she can't help me in the way that she just said. Maybe she's not going to be able to provide all those things she just said she was, because why would it be this price? It, like, it gets this incongruency. It's out of alignment, right? It's out of authenticity with what you just said you're offering. And so all of those things are going to impact that conversation. And then you're going to get less sales or you're going to have this in, imbalance with your clients. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And yeah. I think so many of us who are walking this path of service to humanity have been through exactly what you're speaking to. Yeah. You know, I had to reach a place within myself and the relationship with myself to know my value, to name my price with confidence. Mm-hmm. And know that I deliver that and more. Yeah. So if you choose not to work with me, then you're not my person. And I'm okay with that. I don't take yeah. every no as a personal slight. It's like, then we are not energetically aligned to work. If, if yeah. you don't see the value in what I'm offering you, then we are not meant to work together. And there are many people in that lower price point for you. Yeah. And that's that level of content confidence is what's going to allow you to just Stay there, but also what's going to call in those people that are ready for that, right? It is an energetic thing. Like it, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a double-edged sword. I've got nurturer and that alchemist and the nurturer we will give in spite of ourselves kind of thing. And so I get coaching around this. I get support every time. I go right. I mean, it does, it is something that we have to consciously yeah. um, shift. Yeah. And until I was able to do that myself, I was mm -hmm. constantly, okay, well, I'll give you a half hour free of my time or, 
Right. You know that what that does? It builds resentment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was resentful because I was like, yeah. yeah, I am giving all of this, all of my time and for a thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's not even like, wow, you really changed my life. Thank you. Which would happen. It'd be like, thanks. Um, or, or I'd get the phone call. Can we go to lunch? That's like, can mm-hmm. I get an hour of your services for $15 lunch right. and you actually pay for your lunch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like, take, go to lunch so they could just get a free, you mm-hmm. know, coaching session. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of iterations that you have to go through to, to really start drawing boundaries and be like, I'm not mm-hmm. available. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They know, you know. Yeah. I have a, I want to share a tip on, um, like a little exercise you can do before set price, you set pricing. But I want to also make this, and this thought as you were talking, you know, if somebody gives me something that I know is valuable and they don't charge me for it, maybe I want to do more with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that, you know, I, cause I don't, I can't handle that in a, on a, that out of alignment. I don't, mm-hmm. that doesn't work well for me. Mm-hmm. And as a nurturer, I like to give, I don't, you know, I have to be yeah. open to receiving too. But right. if, um, if I get too much that comes that way, when then I, I might want more, but I'm afraid to ask because I know that there's going to be this price thing, you know, mm-hmm. or like you can think of that when you always, um, there's somebody you go out to lunch with all the time and there's this battle over who's going to pay. Like it gets to be like, I don't even want to deal with it. You know, yeah, I can get off. So that's something I think is something to be mindful of, but can I share a little exercise for people that would help you share away? Okay. So I think the biggest thing, so we know that pricing, there's a lot of, there's belief, there's money mindset, there's a lot of those. And so we walk through some of that, but the biggest thing again, comes down to self-worth and it's confidence, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of that is really owning, you mentioned owning your value. And so I like to, before you go to set prices, one of the best things you can do is get really clear on what that value is. And so the, one of my favorite exercises, there's a couple exercises, but my favorite one is to come up with 30 ways that you impact your client, um, like 30 results. So if you picture them on the day before they start working with you, and then you picture them I'm after they write this you. down, oh, writing this down. <laughs> so Picture them the day you start before you start working on them and then the day after and think of 30 results. So 30 things like how are they holding themselves differently? What are they saying that's different? Um, how, what is different in their life that their life that they're experienced? What are their relationships like? Um, what is their bank account like? You know, all of those pieces, all the ways that you impact them come up with 30 because the first six to 10 are probably pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But it's you digging through that 10 to 30 is where the gold is and where not only is this good for your pricing, it's also good for your marketing. Um, Take the time, like really dig for those little things because that's the ones that are deep. That's where you get into the deep stuff. I love it. Good. So if you do that before you set your pricing, that's a different, that's a different experience. (laughs) (laughs) Very future clients of one (laughs) year. So, so they better grandfather in now. That's right. now. <laughs> That's yeah. a great tip. That is such a great tip. Thank and you. And we have to, we have to get in touch with our confidence first. Because again, there's no right or wrong. Like everybody's like, well, is this right? And they want to ask, you know, a coach or me um, for the right price. And it's really like, how do you feel about it? I think like, you're you know, so right. And, and it's, it's yeah. finding that confidence to get mm-hmm. to that number that feels really good. You don't have to charge five thousand dollars today but where are you at today that feels good and trusting and trusting what you're getting yeah i think we just don't you think we talk ourselves out of our greatness we have been taught i think especially as women to dim our light to Mm -hmm. suppress our greatness because wow that's kind of conceited of you to be putting yourself out front and center and saying hey work with me because i'm amazing We're taught, yeah. well, I, don't, I know in my culture and my background, it was okay. It was encouraged because in that Asian programming to be achieving and striving and successful, mm. but to, to speak it, to own it, to claim it. Wow. That's, you well, don't do that if you're Asian, <laughs> you just, yeah. right? 
Yeah. So there was this dichotomy there, but I do think there's a lot of, there's a, I think almost every culture you can find where like there was safety and blending in Mm -hmm. as we were the one that stood out that there's some danger. So there's definitely that like just in our bones in our blood and tissues and bones in our, yeah, that, that That we have to actually reprogram. It's a program and and we have to realize it's a program that we can reprogram. We're constantly Mm -hmm. evolving which yeah. means we need to embrace change. We need to shift the way we relate to ourselves mm-hmm. and, and, and that the messaging be, that we're yeah. giving for. And that can be healing some of that, that mm-hmm. fear and that wounding and everything so that you can step into more or mm-hmm. it can be reprogramming. It can mm-hmm. be challenging these beliefs that are really not true and not serving us anymore and rewriting new ones. Um, oh, shoot. There was somewhere else. Let me go back. The, the Oh, with entrepreneurs too. Um, the thing that's changed, cause I've met a lot of people, like I've got one client that was in pharmaceutical sales. And one of the first things she said to me, and I've heard this from a couple of different people, I know I'm good at making money, but they, but they maybe are struggling in their business. Right. And so they were good at making money for somebody else. They were good mm-hmm. at selling a product maybe that they believed mm-hmm. in. Um, they were good at hitting goals that other people, there's a multiple reasons this can happen. Like goals that other people set measurable things that they had to meet led then to the sales but more often than not it comes down to the fact that they've switched from selling either a product or somebody else's intellectual capital that felt they felt comfortable kind of showcasing that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they didn't have they somebody else set the value for it and everything and now they've shifted to where they have to set their own value for their own intellectual capital or product that they've created and that's where like they didn't have worthiness stuff around there because they were just selling somebody else's thing our worthiness comes in here because we're now selling our thing or our value our services our product whatever and now when we're bragging about this thing, like you said, don't you sound conceited because you're bragging about you, mm-hmm. but that's what we have to step into yeah. if we're going to provide our own services, also right? owning and claiming our greatness. We are so powerful. We are so magnificent. We are so much more than we, we think we are. And we just don't see it. We have all these filters and perceptions that mm-hmm. are layered over the smothering our light. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep you. You said that in a couple different ways, and I just keep taking it in. It's like I'm just like it's letting so that lose true. into me because that's true. We do. So true. We do that. I, even, I've done even it. When we do this kind of work, we can still be guilty of mm-hmm. of dimming our lights at a mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is such an important time. You know, I talked about this quantum shift. Yeah. This is when everyone who has come here to be in service to others is being called forth. Mm. regardless of where you are in your evolution, regardless of how much inner work you've done or what level of, of ascension you've reached or what income, it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is that you show up, show mm. up because the world needs you. You show up yeah. because you came into this lifetime at this exact moment to be you and offer the world your gifts, whether that's laughter yeah whether that's baking pies, whether that's childcare, whether that's financial services or coaching or whatever it is, this is the clarion call for you to step forward and be in service because the world needs you right now. And to quote Kelly, price accordingly. (laughs) (laughs) Price your services accordingly because you're worth it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's even interesting. You mentioned the products like the, the pies and, and I'm thinking of like all the artisans and stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, they'll go to create something and they, you know, somebody, let's say they've got an Etsy shop and they create this beautiful work of art that took them forever to do. And somebody's like, well, I can go to Target and get that for whatever. I can go to Walmart. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we do kind of battle that. Like there's this shift in, um, I think how we have to see those things. And I think that artisans do that. They have to step into that and they get, they get hit with that a lot. And we have to realize that as we support somebody like that, that, yeah, we might have to pay a little bit more, but look what we're getting. You you're know, getting something unique. Get. You're, you're getting mm-hmm. the essence of that person. Yeah. And I'm seeing that or feeling that is what is being called forth right now, that mm-hmm. we are 
infusing our lives and how we show up in the world with the authentic and pure energy of us, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like, that we become the fullest expression of ourselves in our work. Mm -hmm. And through that, we are adding that energy in essence to the collective. If we aren't mm -hmm. showing, if we're showing up at 60% of who we are, we're not serving anyone. Yeah. You're kind of half-assing it. You, you got to go 100%. You have to yeah. show up fully. You have to have the courage. You have to have the faith in yourself and the knowing that you're here for a reason, regardless of public opinion. Mm -hmm. Because our parents might want us to be in a corporate job. Right. Because they want you to have benefits. They want to be comfortable. They're uncomfortable right. with your entrepreneurial well, that, and that's part of that cultural shift, you know, that's part of that, like whatever was created throughout, you know, the last century where it was coming out of war and it was factory and the, what an industrial era or whatever they call it. I am not a historian by any means, but just that, that was what was created. That was what was efficient and that was what needed to be. But so many of our structures have stayed true to building people up for that versus building mm -hmm. people up for what we need now. So we feel as entrepreneurs or whatever your calling is, like you have to kind of break out of that mold a little bit. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got that story of when they cracked out of that mold, if they have okay. created that entrepreneurial piece. I have a daughter who's nine, who I don't think is ever going to be in the mold, but part of that. Is, I love it. Is she just, she just, I just don't see it. I mean, she does go through it in school. I mean, it is a part of it in school, but I think that girl's going to be an entrepreneur. Things are I mean, shifting. I think these, even with the pandemic, I, I think the pandemic has encouraged a lot of people to go through some sort of self-awareness and self, self, there was uh, space. they had space to think about, they got out of the rat race off the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. People had space to think about why am I doing this? Like people wonder why I don't, I'm not going political at all. This isn't political, but they wonder right, why right. there's shortages. And it's that people are like, listen, I'm not showing up for that anymore. I'm, I'm not going to be in the restaurant industry for, for no wages. Put anymore. myself at risk, be yelled at all day and not mm -hmm. be paid anything. It's mm -hmm. just not okay anymore. And so things have to change. And I think that those, there are certain things happening that are forcing some of the change. And then 100%. I do think some of it's just, yeah. I think yeah. people are starting that side hustle. But like, that's too, yeah. But I also, I want to go back to the generational thing, I guess. I love these younger kids and like that. I loved it from when millennials were coming up and people would be like, hey, they don't want to do the work. They're just going to change jobs every two years. And being me having that love of entrepreneurial spirit, I kind of loved it because they weren't just accepting. Yes. Well, you need to do this job for 30 or 40 years and then you retire and then you'll be okay. You'll have Then you get to start your life when you're 65. They're like, no, yeah. I'm starting it now. And, and I, I want to yeah. have an impact. I want to create yeah. impact on the world. Millennials and I get, want I get that that rubs people the wrong way because that's not how, that's not how the generation before us did it. That's not how we were supposed to do it. And so it's challenging the norm, but it's what's going to need to happen for us to get the change we want. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So much is happening. Kelly, it's so <laughs> great having you. And that, that time, just like, I feel like I blinked and it was oh, over. Oh, an hour. Oh, wow. That went yeah. fast. It was so quick. <laughs> um, I, I love to ask my guests if they have some words of wisdom. You know, a lot of people are going through a lot of shifts and changes right mm -hmm. now, whether it's in relationships, whether it's within themselves, whether it's with their business, what can you offer in terms of advice that has helped you to overcome some of the major hurdles and challenges that you face to get here? Mm, that's a big question. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, mm, there's two things coming to mind. The biggest thing is we always have to keep learning. So be willing to be a student again, or be, and I don't mean in traditional sense, but be willing to um, figure it out, you know, just to, to be not exactly hundred percent confident in what you're doing and just kind of move forward, mm -hmm. but also to do it. Like, it's okay. If you do it at the pace that works with you, it's okay for you to transition out of something and into something else. Obviously this works differently for relationships than maybe a business, mm -hmm. um, but it's okay for you to make the path that you have to make to make it work for you. And um, I think though, if you're getting those inner nudges, if you're 
um, if you keep having something repeat that it's time to pay attention to it and, um, sure. that it, and it will keep happening until you say it'll push you harder and harder. Right. Like yep. I think we've all experienced that where that little nudge becomes a hard shove or a face yep. to get your attention. Yeah. And you, you don't know. want it to have to be like you get sick or you get, you or know, you something catastrophic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, the, you know, there's lots of communities. So whenever you feel like there's not a community for you, maybe look a little harder because there's so many communities mm -hmm. um, of like-minded people out there. So find your people. Yeah. Well, thank right? you so much for that. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thanks for thank joining so much. me for this great I appreciate this. I appreciate this opportunity. And these are the conversations I love to have. So thank you for giving me another opportunity for that. It was so perfect to have you share your knowledge today. And I love that we were able to talk about money and entrepreneurial um, endeavors tied into energy and spirituality, because that's a conversation that we don't always have. So I think yeah. our listeners today, we're going to have such, um, you know, they're going to learn something about themselves maybe, or maybe think about something that they can take away and maybe apply to, to their business. So thank yeah, you for your good. time today. Thank you so much. And to my audience, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you. Be kind to yourselves, love yourselves, and we will talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.